0: G'day and welcome to the inaugural Doncaster Athletic Club podcast for 2020. My name is Nathan Down and together with fellow club member Boris Matthews, we'll be bringing you episodes throughout the year on a range of different topics to do with track and field. These episodes will include race previews and results, interviews with club coaches and athletes, training tips, the club's social calendar and a general update on how the club is tracking. If you've got any ideas, feel free to touch base, and we'll be sure to include them in the podcast. Our first episode will feature the recent question and answer night the club held with six of our very own athletes. The night was really well received, with all six athletes contributing to a fantastic conversation with some great stories and some sound advice to our future listeners and the club athletes as a whole. The night was recorded and will help form the first two episodes of the DAC podcast. In the first episode, these athletes will be introduced. Their pathways into the sport will be discussed along with their development and training structure to date. Stay tuned for episode two for the balance of the Q&A night. We hope you enjoy. Wherever you are, be it on a long run, in the car, at work or simply at home, here it is. Welcome to the inaugural Doncaster Athletic Club
1: League Program Q&A so uh, for those who don't know last year we started an elite athlete uh, program with the idea to help assist athletes who are sort of making that transition from you know, developing athlete into you know they've got met certain criteria uh, performance standards uh, before they sort of become you know hopefully one day those those ones who are making enough money to sustain themselves we have three people on the panel who are part of that program and we thought as part of the yearly thing that we, we try and set this up. And um, it's great for you guys to meet them, learn a bit about them, their journey, and for them to get some experience with all of this. The program's about to open up again for the next season. And one of the changes we're making this year is changing the standards so that one male and one female will automatically get it, provided you meet the minimum criteria. And then after that, uh, any remaining places are just mixed. So if anyone interested, please look up the criteria on our website and apply. To take it away, we'll ask each of you to introduce yourself, mention the performance, which brought you here today on this panel, and tell us one weird and wacky fact about yourself. John, would you like to start? Yeah. I have the mic, so I'll start. Uh, yeah, my name is Joel Tobin-White. Um I'm 26, recently turned 26. Uh, my event is half marathon, uh, aspiring to be a marathon runner one day. I uh, also do five and five 10K. Um, my highlight uh, performance that would have got me um, to be a Doncaster elite athlete was running 62 minutes and three seconds in a half marathon. Um, and a weird and wacky fact about me is that I, um, I'm a bedroom DJ. Yeah. <laughs> I say bedroom because I don't DJ out, because that's not
2: conducive to being an athlete, elite athlete. But uh, yeah. Um, g'day. Um, my name's Declan Carlin. Um, I'm a discus thrower. I'm 18 years old at the moment. Um, yeah, probably the performance that got me here. Um, I'm the reigning under 20 national champion, discus and chocolate. Um, yeah, a weird wacky fact about me, um, I'm a big cereal eater, um, doesn't matter what time of day, it's, it's just sort of, yeah, yeah, something I like to eat, snack on after training, before training, so, yeah.
3: Uh, hi, I'm Liv Ryan, uh, I'm a sprinter and I'm probably known for winning the 2017 store gift, um, uh, a weird and wacky fact is kind of more gross, but I can pop my collarbones out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Catherine. Uh, the
4: reason that got me here today is that I um, re- represented Australia in um, 2014 at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games. And I have also um, have two national titles for the 800 meters. Um, a weird and wacky fact about me is that I'm probably a bit of a crazy cat lady. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I don't> <laughs> really well Hi, well, my name is Liam Procicino. I'm a 400 metre specialist.
5: Um, I'm part of the DAC elite athlete program, um, for my, based on my performance in, at nationals, uh, in the semi-final running 47:21. Uh, seconds, not minutes. Um, I guess. That yeah, was a bad joke, my bad. <laughs> um, weird and wacky fact. I've never been good at the self facts, but I guess that I'm a. Uh, geez. We'll that right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a uh, passionate gamer. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Abby Caldwell. I specialise in the 1500
6: metres. I'm a distant runner. Um, I think the event that probably got me here is the when I qualified for the World Junior um, Championships in Finland two years ago, um, for the 1500. And a weird and wacky thing about me is every time on the start line, I always yawn.
3: <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Thanks so, guys. The pathway to the event, which, what year, is sometimes really direct and sometimes can take a winding road and you you might have got here without ever realizing you know that that was where you were going to be eventually so can each of you tell us what your first involvement with sport was how that transitioned to athletics and seniors athletics and to where your your current event is i
6: guess for me i was one of the young ones who started little athletics when i was six years old so i guess i just had a passion for the sport from a very young age it was a social sport which i loved and being at Doncastlewood with athletics club the transition through the seniors was great so it just got me more and more involved i got a little bit more competitive and started training more and more and it's just evolved from there i guess uh
5: much like abby i started off at a young age um in or before little athletics was ycw harriers down in ballarat so i'm originally sort of classified as country boy from ballarat um and transitioned here to melbourne in 2016 for uh university but yeah i guess through growing up athletics was always sort of there in the background with a great many array of sports um and i guess my passion sort of developed over the years to continue athletics through my primary school, my high school, um, and now during my university, um, and yeah.
4: Um, my story was, um, is also similar to um, Abby and Liam. I started um, with Little Arts when I was around six years old with Doncaster, um, and then I transitioned to seniors uh, around when I was 12 and basically continued um, throughout high school and um, yeah, and also into my early 20s and to now today in my early 30s. Um, and then basically, I think it probably started to get, become a little bit more competitive when I um, had a coach when I was around 12. Um, and then also throughout high school, um, I started to specialise more in the 800 metres Um, and then continue to specialise in the 800 metres through my 20s. Um, and then now recently I've changed events and I've moved down to the 400 um, where I'm doing more pro running now.
3: Uh, My story's a little bit different. I started doing athletics in the UK when I was about uh, seven or eight years old and I was kind of an all-rounder doing cross country and sprints and long jump and everything. Uh, I kept with that throughout my sort of primary school, Uh, moved to Switzerland and also kept doing athletics there. Again, not really specialising in anything. Uh, And then when I moved over here when I was 14, uh, I decided that sprinting was really where I wanted to take my running. Um, And so uh, I found a coach and uh, he has led me to great things. And, um, yeah, uh, it got serious probably when I was about 16 is when we started really training
1: hard and um that's probably yeah my story yeah i got uh put into little athletics by my parents in, when i was about five years old because i was hot, incredibly hyperactive and i needed to burn some energy um and then from there i went I, that was at box hill little athletics and then i transitioned into doncaster seniors uh, i was about 13 or 14 and trained with tom kelly as a distance runner. Um, And then when I was about 17, 18, I transitioned uh, from running to triathlon and ended up being a professional triathlete for four years, five years with the Victorian Institute of Sport, um, traveling all all around the world and stuff. Pretty lucky to do that. And then as I realized I was never gonna be um, that good to make Olympics in triathlon, I transitioned back into running uh, about three years ago. with a new coach and a new squad and I'm, um, yeah, tackling the longer
2: distances of running now. Um, yeah, um, very similar to the others. I uh, started pretty early, probably under sixes or sevens here at Doncaster. Um, yeah, I was a bit of an all-rounder and uh, it wasn't really until seniors where I sort of found my way into the throwing events. Um, yeah, under 15s, 16s um, is when I sort of specialized in discus and shot put. And since then, I've just sort of built up to where I am now and yeah. Um, So So, uh, was there a defining moment where you guys realised that you could be competitive, like you could be properly competitive and run a a 14th best (laughs) Australian half or, you know, representing Australian Commonwealth Games or something like that? Or was it something that you guys just stumbled into if you were coming out? Um, yeah, well, for me, I'm still relatively young, um, so it sort of wasn't until sort of last year, or the last couple of years, that I've sort of started to realise that this could be sort of a career path, um, and I could take athletics pretty far. So it was probably um, 2017, I think it was a uh, national under 18 championship in discus, which sort of um, got me fired up and sort of made me believe that um, you know good things could happen.
1: Um, as, yeah, for for me, it, back in like the junior days, I'd always be around, you know, sort of 10th or something, the Victorian champs, um, never really got a medal until I was a little bit older, maybe 12 or something, 13. A lot of juniors have lots of early success when they're they're really young. Um, but yeah, I sort of just kept going at it and just slowly got better. And then it wasn't until I was 14, I got my first, national medal in cross country and then from then i sort of thought you know maybe i could could uh yeah be, be quite good at this
3: uh for me it was probably when i did win the gift in 2017 before that i wasn't too sure if i was ever going to make it in anything um but when you win something that big it probably ignites a little fire in you and shows you what you might be capable of uh, so that's what kind of made my eyes open to what I might be able to do with my athletic career Um, I think for me it was kind of like a
4: slow transition Um, I realized I I probably started off um, doing really well at a state level and then it became national and then I as a junior I qualified for um, world youths um, world juniors and um, uh, the uh, world sorry no um, the Youth Commonwealth Games as well. Um, and then I guess based the, based on, you know, when your times are improving and you're getting closer to a qualifying time, I guess that's probably how I ended up qualifying for the Commonwealth Games in 2014, um, yeah. Um, coming from a little last perspective, down in Ballarat, we didn't exactly have too much competition. So regionally wise, we
5: were generally always pretty successful. Then moving up to States, uh, competitions got a lot harder, but again, we were quite successful. So sort of transitioning from little athletics to senior athletics was a, a major jump. And I guess the sort of most defining moment was going from your sort of your state level to then taking dad up to sort of the Gold Coast or to Tasmania or Perth, where the uh, nationals was being held. Um, and for the first time, or well, like for the first national event in the 400 that I qualified for, I came third up there and I just saw the little spark of the light bulb saying, oh, you can actually do this with some hard work and dedication. You might be able to achieve um, even sort of greater success on your future ahead. Um, so I guess that was my yeah, defining moment, of which I decided that I would take up athletics and, in particular, the four hundred metres, um, quite seriously.
6: Um, for me, I never really expected to, to get high. I kind of just was in the sport; as an enjoyment thing. I loved it, and then, similar to Kat, I started realising my improvement was rising at state levels and then eventually national levels. And you realise your times are getting quicker and it's like, hang on, this is kind of going somewhere. I think the one defining moment for me was probably my first national title in 2015. And I realised where I've always been sort of middle of the pack, I'm like, hang on, I'm kind of pushing myself further up here and then it's just kind of one thing led to another. And when you see those times improving, you just want to dig for more so you get better and you train harder. So I guess you... Just rise.
0: All right. So the next sort of uh, going off that is, is training. So um, Abby, Matt, perhaps if you want to run us through your week, I know you um, Tom Kelly trained you back in the day, and you've, you've bounced over to Knox with Gannon. Um So how's how's your normal week look like? What sessions are you doing, and what's um, what sport have you? The most part of your training that you found most beneficial.
6: Um, For me, I, so I do three training sessions a week, that includes one track session on a Tuesday, a grass oval session on a Thursday and hills on a Saturday. So I have three bulk sessions where I get all my volume in and my intense work in. Um, And then I take Mondays and Wednesdays as my recovery runs, as, as a lot of distance runners do, so ranging anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And then I go on to a long run on a Sunday, which, depending on the time of the season and the week, um, can range anywhere from 50 minutes to 70 minutes. So it, there's a lot of variety for distance running for me, which it, I enjoy. I guess the sessions can change anywhere during the week where you do things as fight legs, you might do a bit of speed work, um, thresholds. And there's a lot of variety in my training, so leading into different races, it changes a lot. Um, it's good when you have such a good squad, so I've got an amazing training squad that I train with, um, with Gavin Barron down at Knox, and I guess my training, we work with each other, so it makes it a lot easier, yeah.
0: So, before you start, Liam, I've got a couple of notes on you, right, so... (laughs) (laughs) Me? Yeah, you've got 16 to 17 hours worth of training here, so... There's a fair bit of yoga in there too, so run and us through this 17
5: <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, so the yoga is mostly sort of our winter training uh, routine, just on a, for a bit of a physical and mental recovery, um, as my squad mates who are here, Kevin and Tristan, not Danny and Advertise not Conrad. Ah, <laughs> oh, true, we have our yoga sessions here at the uh, in the DAC gym on Wednesdays, is it?
1: Wednesdays later in the
5: year, yeah. <laughs> extras are welcome. <laughs> Wednesdays later in the year and extras are welcome, so uh, yeah, join the fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so our winter training uh, is, I guess, where the bulk of our volume and or the bulk of our volume is done. Um, pretty consistently, a Monday and a Friday are our rest days, um, which are pretty pretty detrimental um, uh, with sort of the volume that we are uh, are doing on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sundays. Um, So, for example, I can run you through a Tuesday session, um, could be a tempo session that we might do at Stradbroke Park Um, that'll be up to sort of 1,700 to 2K. I know it's not a lot of distance, but we're doing this at a fairly high intensity um, on some pretty wet and uh, dewy grass, so it is a lot harder than you think. Um, and then a Wednesday we could look at some we'd be doing some aerobic runs um, Similar to interval training where we have a certain intensity Or period of time where we're running at a high intensity with a minute rest and then we do that uh, Six or, or five or six times Moving into a Thursday session would generally be a track session getting close to the season to help us. I guess not adapt but sort of I don't know warm up warm up and into the track um, so the track is obviously a lot harder than sort of grass to train on um, and that might involve a couple of uh, three to one sort of re- uh, reps um, with some walk back uh, walk back recoveries um, that Tuesday session would also the tempo session would also be doubled up with a gym session so it's a fairly uh, intense and heavy day. Um, then going on to a Saturday, we do some speed work. So there might be some blocks, 80 metres, 50 metres sprints, um, up to sort of 100, 120s. And then Sunday, we'd also look at doing um, sort of some tempo or longer uh, longer runs, just to build the aerobic base um, and help us with the sort of winter, winter's, winter's training.
4: Um, I guess my training has changed since I've changed event. Um, if I can go back when um, I was training for eight hundred, so I guess the the off season I had prior to qualifying for the Com Games, um, my training schedule was quite uh, full on. Um, so if I on Sundays we used to do beach training, so it's um, like we used to run along the sand and do um, some sand sprints and stairs. Um, and then Monday would be, like, plyometric training. Um, Tuesday would be, like, a um, longer endurance um, session or speed endurance. Um, Wednesday I could I would probably do uh, weights or some sort of strength and conditioning. Uh, Thursday I did um, speed endurance, well... Um, more like 800 speed endurance, um, and then Fridays I would I would have done like some sort of um, endurance session, like a fart leg run or um, like two minute efforts, uh, and then Saturday would be my rest day. Um, but then now that I've changed event events, um, I do um, so strength and conditioning on a Monday. Uh, Tuesdays is speed endurance, more than 400-type speed endurance. Um, Wednesday, strength and conditioning. Thursday is speed work. Um, Friday is usually rest. Um, and then Saturday would have been, well, this isn't the pre-season, would have been a, a speed endurance session again. Or at the moment, we'll probably because we'll, we're racing, I will count that as just a race. Um,
1: Yeah, I think that's about it. Katza. Yeah. Katza. Katza, You know, when we spoke, you've mentioned that across your career, you've tried various styles of training. Yeah. The traditional distance, you know, high volume.
4: Yeah. And you
1: found it didn't really work for you when your performances started going backwards. Yeah. Can you just discuss briefly uh, those changes and how you came to change them and how that actually helped you move forward with your career when you still yeah, it might not be able
4: to... um, Yeah, so I do remember when I was in probably my early twenties, I, um, I did sort of change my training where it became more endurance based. where I was doing the long runs every um, Sunday, and then the main track sessions became more endurance based. And it for me, it actually didn't work at all. Um, it I, I, I remember race. I had a horrible season um, after having the quite endurance-based um off-season um so then I guess for me um and my coach at the time we kind of realized that that type of training didn't work for me and I needed to continue doing more of that more speed endurance training as well as speed work um yeah so that
3: kind of answers it (laughs) Uh so for me we train about four times a week or four days a week um on a monday, tuesday and thursday we double up with track and then go straight to the gym uh which can be quite tiring sometimes um and then on sunday we do hills uh which is never fun uh we generally uh, it depends on off season and in season but in season we do sort of uh one to two speed based sessions uh, and then a speed endurance session uh, to keep us fit and then we'd normally be racing on the weekend which is also uh, we race pros and there's backing up to do between races that generally don't have a lot of breaks so that's almost a training session in itself sometimes Uh, you might run 370s within an hour or not even within half an hour sorry um (coughs) So that can make it quite tough. Uh, so we've got to be fit for that. So some of our speed sessions include a lot of repeat work to make sure that we can back up for those races and uh, keep us fit like that. Uh, in the gym, generally following a speed session, we'll do a lot more explosive sort of heavy lifting uh, and plyos to sort of fit in with the uh, speed work and that sort of explosive movements. And then uh, there'll also be, in winter, there'll be a lot more circuit training and aerobic-based training. Um, And hills just stay constant always. So that's always fun. Um, And then Wednesdays and Fridays are generally just rest days. Um, And yeah, that's kind of the basis of our training.
1: Yeah, my training um, sort of stays the same pretty much all year round. um, Other than I guess the, the point of the key sessions changes a little bit. But Monday is just a uh, easy jog, about an hour. And that's the same as Wednesday and Friday. So Monday, Wednesday Friday are all, all pretty much the same. Uh, and to get my, I, I'm, because I'm quite injury prone and still sort of new to the big long distance running. Um, other people in my squad run again in the evening, but I uh, jump on the elliptical trainer or go for a swim. as uh, my second session. Uh, and then Tuesday is a big key sort of hard track session. Or in winter it's at the tan and you you know usually eight one kilometer reps with a minute break or something like that end up getting about 20k in total after the warm-up and cool down um and thursday's threshold which is just running uh about 30 minutes at your lactate threshold um saturday is hill reps and then sunday is the long run um and you know when i first started back um, running from triathlon. The long run on a Sunday was 90 minutes. And then as I've sort of progressed and got longer and now starting to focus on the marathon it has gone up to um, the longest one I did recently was two hours 20, it's about like 36K. Um, yeah, and then sort of, you know, I'm doing about, at the moment I'm about 120 to 130, so sort a of K a week, um, which might seem like a lot to, to you know, um, it's sort of shorter distances, but you know, there's a lot of guys that are running like 170, 180 sort of k's in, in my training. So I'm still, still quite a small mileage.
0: <coughs> on that, Joel, you're, you're with MTC, obviously with the guys there, is mostly training with them, is it a lot of it by yourself or run a street? how you work with them? Um, so yeah,
1: we, all, all the Melbourne Track Club guys meet for the key sessions. So that's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and the long run on Sunday. Um, but for the Monday, Wednesday, Friday easy runs, um, I really like running by myself. Um, right, oh yeah, I'm, as I said before, bedroom DJ. I like music massively into music, so I sort of much prefer to to um, go out, you know, on the trails, just me myself, and my music, rather than meet up with the guys that I see enough of during the week at the track sessions. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Joel, what um, on your Monday? What sort of average pace are you getting on your condo? Um So when I'm at, uh, yeah, when I'm at full fitness, I sort of, on my Monday, Wednesday, Friday jogs, it's an hour in the morning, and it's about 410 to 420 K pace. Um, then Thursday, my, my threshold pace is about um, between three and three or five K pace. So for 30 minutes, yeah, sort of sitting at 170 beats per minute. Um, this is when I'm at full fitness, you know, and I'm I've struggled a lot with injuries. So coming off injury, it's never that quick, but it, it'll, it'll I'll try and get it back down to that year, you know, three to three or five. And then for my long run on Sunday, um, if we're on a flat sort of course out on, uh, say Yarra flats or something like that, I'm generally rolling about four minute K's a bit under for, for the long runs. So I, I try and make sure that a, a long run, it's, it's almost like another session. Um, so you, you do go quicker than you, you would in your Monday Wednesday Friday easy jogs which are just like total recovery days
2: yeah so I'm lucky enough to be training under the guidance of Scott Martin um, throws coach in at Lakeside Stadium so I'm part of a pretty pretty awesome throws group there which has been super beneficial um, over the last year in terms of sort of my growth as an athlete um we're not we're not quite as lucky as some of the other athletes here our training isn't really that varied much the same every sort of every session whether it be drills drills to start with into sort of stand throws half turns full spins um yeah it's it's really it really is much of the same and um volume volume is usually dependent on what time it is um off season obviously we'll take a lot more throws really trying to nail some of those sort of technical cues and different things like that um, in season, um, they can be really short sessions, like 20 to 30 minutes, just really sort of focusing on rhythm and length. Um, and then uh, gym, gym sessions at the moment for me are pretty general strength based. Um, I'm sort of at the stage at the moment where I'm still sort of learning the ins and outs of strength and conditioning and really sort of making improvements in that sort of area. So really just general um, core, general strength and um, just sort of maintaining general fitness, yeah. Thanks, guys. Most of you have mentioned a
1: transition across your career from your first coach to you know, a second coach or to different squads. Can you mention what your, your first coach sort of brought to you in your development and then how that changed with, with your current squad and coach? Um, briefly, what that's brought to your development and how it's helped you?
2: Yeah. Well, um, mine's a unique situation. My first coach was my dad. Um, so really when we both sort of started throwing, I say both of us because it really was both of us starting together. Um, we sort of, we sort of learned with each other. He sort of learned the different things coaching wise while I learned them throwing wise. So, um, I was probably with training with my dad down here at Doncaster for three or four years. And, um, it wasn't until recently that I switched coaches and, um, Obviously switching coaches, I'm now with Scott Martin. Um, he just offers a wealth of knowledge in terms of just, he's had so much experience and just sort of basic just ideas and sort of theories around throwing that really um, benefit my training. But um, in terms of sort of the transition between from my dad to coach, it's really just been, it's really just been the wealth of knowledge. Like I still train the same way, but just with a different set of eyes on technique and different things like that
1: um yeah i I guess through like sort of a long long career in triathlon and running but from from juniors um i've had plenty of different coaches uh but you know the first coach that i had that made a big impact on my running was tom kelly obviously here at doncaster um he sort of gave me the love for sport for the endurance sport that i carried have carried through to today um and then you know from then I, i moved from him to a triathlon coach, um, had again he showed me the ropes of all the triathlon's the was Son Simon Knowles, um, ex-pro and so you sort of got uh, an education about the professional sort of racing with triathlon. then uh, I transitioned from an ex-pro coach to a sports science coach, um, Danielle Stefano, she was the head coach at the Victorian Institute of Sport with triathlon. She had no racing experience as a triathlete, um, had never been a, an athlete herself, but she was a sports scientist. So it was sort of then taking, you know, little bits that I'd learned on, on the way from like an ex pro and with the sports science. Um, and then now today as a runner, I'm with Nick Bodeau, um, at Melbourne track club and, uh, you know, he's sort of more of the old fashioned sort of style coaching where he just sort of has his structure. It sort of doesn't change. And, um, yeah, it either works for you or it doesn't, um, and that's yeah it's pretty ruthless but you sort of just make it work and you know taking all the little now i'm 26 now um i remember back when i was super young you sort of believe in anything that anyone tells you any sort of coach and then as you get older you sort of have a bit of a filter and you sort of work for, you know well that worked for me i'm going to remember that um because you know being an elite athlete uh you know it's the same thing doesn't work for, for everybody it's uh it's really, you, you really have to work, work it out um, for yourself what works for you and as, as, as you progress as an athlete uh
3: for me my first coach i don't really remember a lot but i think it was probably my PE teacher back when i was seven or eight um and they probably just i think they taught me um well they didn't teach me but they kind of showed me um my passion for the sport and um led me to believe that I could do whatever I wanted and I was capable of whatever I wanted to be which at that age you kind of just grab onto and believe and go all right if you say I can be a runner then I'm going to be a runner and um, then having the passion also you go yeah this is what I love so this is what I'm going to do Uh, in between then and now I've probably had a fair few coaches that have all had their little say but my coach now is Craig Mair and um He's probably taught me the most about running that any other coach has. Uh, he's taught me what it takes to run at this level, what, all the dedication, the commitment, all those sort of things required. Um, but one of the main things he's taught me is to just always believe in your ability. Because um, if you don't do that, you're not gonna get very far. Um, you gotta believe in yourself and that you're capable of uh, great things. Because if you don't believe that, then um, you set yourself up to fail. Um, so that's a big takeaway that I think, um, he's given me. Uh so basically my first coach, um,
4: was, uh, uh, Osei which, um, he was, um, used to be a coach at the um, Doncaster Athletics Club. Um, and basically, uh, he was a great, uh, junior coach. He, uh, really helped me, um, the sport as well as, um, I guess bringing out my talent or helping me see my talent, um, and Ose was also really good at um, establishing relationships with other coaches um, because we had quite a small training group. But he, we, he somehow organised with um, other coaches where we train with other um, training groups, um, where which. Um, Which helped me with some of my weaknesses. So, um, you know, I joined another squad that were more like an endurance-based or more speed endurance-based. So to help me um, improve in that area. Um, So I guess um, I guess when I transitioned to my next coach, will say I kind of already established that relationship so it felt natural to change coach um which um which was justin lewis who i'm still with today um so basically I, I started in probably training with um justin uh once a fortnight in 2012 or 2013 and um and then i think at the time um I'll say, kind of stopped coaching. So it felt like a a mutual transition to change. Um, And, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I've been... Justin really helped me get to the next stage of my athletics career. Um, And Justin is really great at seeing, um, you know, because I guess with racing, you you always see the bad things or focus too much on, on everything that goes so wrong in a race where... Um, where Justin is somehow able to let you see, you know, the good things and how you, work, how you can improve. Um, Justin also really, I guess, helped me um, change my running technique, which um, helped me um, improve, um, helped me to run faster. Um, so basically, I took a whole year um, and focused on my technique. Um, which I felt in, helped me improve in every way with the sport. Um, yeah, so that's all. Just get a question refresher there,
0: Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh Coaching, so sort of who's coached you um, and that progression from coach to coach and who you're with now. Um, yeah, run us through
5: that. Okay, cool. Uh, so my first main coach was Pedro Dwyer, uh, AKA POD. Uh, he had a humongous group of POD squatters as they were known, so lots of little athletes like us. I think I got inducted into his squad around year seven, um, of which I trained alongside him and the squad for my whole, you know, oh, sorry, my whole high school, uh, years. Um, he was very much, uh, I guess, building us up from a young age to the elite level. Um, from the very beginning, uh, his main focus was on the Victorian Athletic League. Um, so, for those of you that may not know what the fall is, it's uh, some handicapped uh, running all around uh, Victoria, um, and is a lot of good fun. So, I guess my first. Uh, impression with pod was, or my first impression looking back now was was very much um, although he was a serious train or a serious coach he definitely ensured that the sort of camaraderie of our squad uh and friends was um a basis for us to train off really um so we used we used each other to push push each other and uh, so that extra percentage at each training session um Then transitioning over to Liana, uh, Liana Joyce, with the Running Fast crew. Um, I could say that Liana is more orientated towards sort of the bigger meets like states and nationals, um, obviously wanting us to uh, make the the Olympic Games, Commonwealth Games, or those bigger uh, and larger aspirations at the elite level. Um, So I guess that's sort of I guess the time, time frame and time period that I've been at with each of those coaches. Um, and hence where they're sort of looking to push us in that direction as well.
6: Um, so I started out training when I was about 10, 11 years old down here at Bumpasta with Tom Kelly, And I guess Tom made me fall in love with training which I never thought I would. I always looked at sport training being more of a competitive thing. It was always really intense, but the atmosphere that Tom created down at the truck was incredible and he made it a lot of fun for us. So it was very social. He got everyone involved and that's where I started really enjoying it. Um, he would never push me too much. He knew I was still young and understood that I was just in it for fun at the moment. and he would chuck me in with some of the older kids and mess around and throw the banter around and i think that's what made me love training um unfortunately when we lost tom i was a little bit lost for a year or two i had a couple of friends where we were coming down to doncaster training on our own for about 18 months and just basing our training off tom's programs that he'd give out to us and after um about two years i was Went down to Knox um, and was under Richard Huggins, where who was quite close with Tom Kelly. They were buddies, I guess, when they went through all their coaching together. They did a lot together. So Richard took me under his wing, which was amazing. And as Richard came into his later years of coaching, he was mentoring my current coach Gavin Barron. Um And Richard and Gavin were very close. And yeah, as Richard mentored Gav, he kind of phased out and Gav once again took me under his wing and ever since then we've had a great relationship and Gav's made me develop uh, as an amazing athlete. He's gotten me through so much and kind of helped me with the step up from the enjoying and social side of running to a little bit more professional and taking those next steps um, to becoming an elite athlete. Gav's, yeah, he's the most optimistic man you'll ever meet. He will get you through anything. He'll never look at the bad sides of anything. He'll never let you be down after a race or anything. Um, Yeah, he's pretty much gotten me through everything. I'll go to him for anything. And he made the transition from being a little bit lost between coaches, um, just amazing. And, yeah, he's been
5: great.
0: That's a wrap for episode one. We hope you enjoyed the content and thanks very much to our athletes who featured in giving up their time to help educate and share their stories of their careers thus far. We wish them all the best in the future. Stay tuned for episode two. We'll look to launch this in a couple of days. Episode two will feature part two of the question and answer night. Once again, welcome to the DRC podcast for 2020. We look forward to bringing you some great episodes throughout the year. Stay tuned,
3: all the best.